If you want to find more related content, visit my website at ron-sparks.com. The attention economy. It's not necessarily a new concept, but it is something that has been kicked into high gear. I'm working on an article right now that just sort of lays the foundation for what is the attention economy. I call the attention economy a double-sided marketplace. And what that looks like is it, it actually, it, it looks a lot like a double-sided facilitator. So right now what happens is in consumer products, we get to use all this stuff for free. But the reason we get to use it for free is that our attention is sold. So I see attention as the currency in a lot of the consumer products. And the way it works is kind of like a credit card system. So in a credit card system, the credit card processor charges a fee to the merchant. So when you buy something and you swipe your credit card, there's a ton of technology and work that's done to take a little 0.05 to 3% slice of that transaction. And most of the time that transaction is paid by the merchant, the person selling stuff. And so what happens is we have this system where people go around using credit cards and in particular Amex has been um, one that I've noticed where merchants um, sort of have a pain point there because the fees are so high. So people use their credit card, they swipe and they buy their products. No big deal, they gain points, it's all good. The challenge is that on the other end, the merchant is paying for that ease of use. And so I think that's really interesting, right? And in the in the economy of attention, what's happening is that a product is in quotes free, but as you're looking and using a product and enjoying it, what happens is a little bit of your attention is sold off. And this can be done sort of in a very jarring way where you're using something and suddenly an ad on a mobile phone just comes up and blocks everything. And what they've done is they've taken the attention you're giving the app and they've sold it for a second to a third party company. So as you're transacting your attention, suddenly um, it's going somewhere else. But this is a lot more painful than the credit card example because the end user is paying a slice of their attention. Um, and so what we're seeing now is that products end up being designed for this scenario. Products are then designed um, not to be useful, but for usage. And uh, it does cut all the way to the economic core of the system we have as capitalists that we want to grow things. Um, but there is this question of, um, you know, if we focus only on usage, um, the number of people using an app and the time on screen versus usefulness, we're going to run into um, some challenges at some point where the products no longer uh, warrant the amount of attention we're getting. Or the other problem is um, it doesn't really matter if the products are useful or not. Uh, engineers will have gotten really good at building these products that are addicting people to the screens to keep using them regardless of if they're useful. So there's an example of sort of the interplay of what's happening right now where there's a bunch of pushback from people that have managed products in Silicon Valley where they're sort of disengaging from those technologies because they realize how addicting they are. Um, and one of the coolest examples, it's someone, I believe his name is Tristan. It'll be in the blog post that's coming up. Um, but he sort of shares this really interesting example of how uh, couchsurfing.com has added a new metric. So instead of measuring how many people use their site, 
and how long they're using their site and how many bookings they have, they added a new metric where they measure the new relationship time that a host and a couch surfer have together. So couch surfing is kind of like Airbnb before Airbnb. Um, people look for couches around the country and then people can host them and it's sort of this um, this system where you know people share their, their couches. And so what they started measuring through surveys, and it's a hard thing to measure is, okay, what's the net new relationship time? So what that means is, let's say somebody surfs a website and it takes them an hour to find a host. Um, and then that host and the couch surfer spend six hours together hanging out in town because they hit it off. That means that they've created five new meaningful relationship hours that are outside their platform. And what they're doing is they're measuring that as part of their key to success. And I think that's really, really interesting because when we measure stuff, it changes our focus. And I, and I think what we measure is what we build. So that example is awesome. It's also really, really hard to follow. So part of what happens by you know all the usage metrics is that we, we end up uh, measuring usage and apps as our primary goal because it's easy. Um, and because it's something that we can often correlate to revenue or at least make a case for where things like net new relationship time, they might be core to mission, but they're a lot harder to measure, um, the value because it, even the measurement is harder. So you have to go out and do surveys, but I do think that there's a lot of value in that type of thinking. And so I'll be curious to see if that comes to other platforms or if it's sort of the minority view. Um, and even if it is the minority view, uh, view, maybe, maybe that's valuable. So anyways, the couchsurfing.com example is pretty cool. All right, and the last bit, which I didn't actually address, is this idea that um, some of the people that have been running products and working in the echelons of technology, not necessarily the business leaders, but people that have been making it, a lot of them have been disengaging from some of those technologies. And so they put things in place like locking their phones from downloading apps, or they have timers that turn off their Wi-Fi in the evening, or they have Chrome plugins that block advertisers from tracking their Facebook usage, or you know, deleting those things altogether. And so I, I think that you know, there's this concept of the pendulum in technology where um, as computers get really popular, there ends up being this pushback and we get things that are popular like, you know, manual shavers for men and notebooks and leather, you know, wristbands. Like people essentially um, sort of push back against this hard swing towards technology. And I think we're seeing that again. Um, and some of that speculated that we're going to end up with these like ex-technology people um, that sort of want to disconnect from everything because they don't want to be tracked. Um, and it's not just sort of this uh, crazy mentality anymore of, ah, they're a hippie. Like now it's, no, these people are trying to be really intentional with their time. Um, and so there's a lot of thought going into it and a lot of reflection after people have gone on to make um, some crazy features. And some other examples of that is like the guy that made the Facebook like button. Um, there's a really good Guardian article out recently and it talks about um, the guy that made the Facebook like button and how he's not sure how he feels about this thing being so popular now. Um, there's also this guy that uh, made, and I keep saying guy, uh, these are guys, maybe I should say something else, but um, there's another person that uh, he does a pull to refresh. Um, that whole action he made for this like uh, Twitter app before Twitter had an app and then Apple ended up rolling it into their content and now it's used everywhere and you know he reflects as well on you know have I done anything meaningful are these addictive sort of interface items um, or is that my legacy and what does that mean so 
there's also this contingent um, of people disconnecting. Uh, so there's both this attention economy happening. Well, not both. There's a number of things happening. There's an attention economy at play. There are people that are seeing um, some of the impacts of designing for addiction and they're pushing back against that. And they're doing that by both disconnecting and by trying to uh, measure time in a more meaningful way than just getting people's attention. And I think that's a really interesting development in the world of technology. And that's something that I want to continue to explore. Um, I don't really work a lot in consumer products. I work a lot in the, the realm of business to business products, or if they are consumer based, they still get sold through a business portal um, or a business channel. And what I really like about that is it means I get to design for value. I don't have to just design for addiction and ads. Uh, so I feel sort of really privileged and lucky in that sense. Um, but it is something to be aware about in all products because a lot of times what happens is uh, other companies, even though they're not selling to consumers um, and other people making those products, uh, they will copy sort of these big companies and their practices, even though the incentives and the reason to do so uh, is very different. So uh, yeah, there's a whole conversation around that happening. I'm doing a couple blog posts coming up about it and I think it's a really uh, valuable conversation to have uh, as we makers and thinkers and leaders and entrepreneurs go about making things in the world. All right. I hope you enjoyed the conversation ramble about the attention economy. Uh, there is a more coherent uh, set of thoughts that will be coming out this week on my blog at ron-sparks.com. If you have any comments to add, feel free to do the whole call-in thing on Anchor, or if you're on the podcast, you can drop me a line on Twitter or the website. Um, hopefully this is an interesting way to go, and it's not too rambly for me to talk about the things I'm thinking and working on. All right, thanks for joining me today. I'll talk to you in the future.